Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and I am so glad to be bringing to you our latest sermon, our last sermon, in fact, of our generosity series, Our Money Story. Uh, so far, we've looked at the words remember, release, and reimagine. Today, we focus on restore, turning to John chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 19. Uh, check it out. I remember uh, I was serving as a chaplain at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Jersey, and I was startled to see one of my church members uh, while I was doing my rounds. And I didn't know that he had been admitted to the hospital, and I I spent some time visiting with him uh, before continuing on in my work. And he didn't expect to be at the hospital very long, but I still promised him. I was like, hey, I'm going to come check on you every week. I said, I'll try to sneak you some Reese's Pieces or anything you like. I got shot down for that um, very quickly. But I was trying to, you know, be welcoming and loving and be like, hey, we're, we're going to get through this. Well, soon after he was moved to another floor, he had to stay actually for a while longer than what we had anticipated, uh, both because of his weakened uh, state of his body, but also uh, because of the uh, amount of tests that it would have to run on him. And I remember, uh, I got to say that having the time to spend with him was really the most fulfilling parts of my day. You know, I mean, it was hard, right? Because he was, it was, he was frail and it was, it was hard to see him in that state. But, but the time that I got to be with him, right, between sitting with other families who are going through some of their darkest hours or the administrative meetings that I had to attend or the constant rounds that I had to do on the floors or all the consultations, I, I, I found myself looking forward to sitting with someone who knew me in a familiar way, someone who I knew and someone who knew me in the context outside of Chaplain Joe. And so once he got discharged and went home, I still checked in with him week by week. He was a church member after all, and I would see him on Sundays. I would see him and call him when I could. Now, I remember it was uh, one, one uh, Sunday in uh, November. It was one week in November. We're in the midst of our stewardship campaign, similar to what we're doing here. And, and he hadn't turned in his pledge yet. And because I had already established a relationship with him, I, I was tasked to call him and to ask him about his pledge to see if he would be pledging this coming year and how we could encourage him or help him to uh, 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 make it easier for him to pledge. So I, I called him. I said, hey, brother, uh, it's Pastor Joe. How's your health? Are you still eating well? Stay away from those Reese's. I said, hey, listen, I'm sort of calling about this work thing. You know, we don't have your pledge card yet, and I'm wondering if we can expect one from you soon. And there was silence on the other end of the line long enough to make me question and look at my phone to see if he was still there. And and then I heard him say faintly, uh, hey, pastor, that's going to be between me and God, okay? I'll talk to you later. And he hung up. I didn't call him back or ask about it again until the following spring. We were uh, out for coffee, and I asked him, Hey, brother, remember when we talked last year? I asked you about your pledge. What was that about? You know I see your pledge, right? You know I see what you turn in. And here's what he said, and I'll never forget this. He said, I know, pastor, but money is personal. Less than a year before that, I sat with him in his hospital room. I was holding his hand while the doctor read to him the results of his tests. I was there in the room when it was time for him to be changed because he was too weak 
to do it himself. We had talked about the challenges in his marriage, the challenges that he had with substance, the, the horrors that he experienced while on active duty. We talked about all of these other things. We've experienced all of these other things, and yet money was the thing that was too personal to talk with his pastor about. You know, we all have our own money stories, and, and yet society tells us that we have such an unhealthy relationship with money that we try to keep money separate from everything else. We don't even allow conversations to happen about money. We don't even allow those conversations to enter into the fabric of our lives. We forget that while money cannot be the only factor in our lives, money is a part of our everyday being and that our relationship with money is a human one. It's, it's part of our holistic selves. It should be part of our spiritual lives. Because money and possessions are one of the most common topics in all of scripture. Jesus talks about money more than faith and prayer. Something like 25% of all the parables in Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all about money or possessions. They include some reference to them. And so our money story has to be a spiritual one. Our faith and the ways that we see the world must be informed and informing of how we live in the world. And that's been our hope through the series. We, we've been trying to reframe our money story. We've been trying to take our individual story, our collective story, and align it more to God's money story. And what I mean by that is one that is liberating, one that is inviting, one that is transformative. And so we started this series looking at the word remember, and we, we turned to the Israelites who were in the wilderness. They were in their journey, leaving slavery, leaving Egypt, walking towards the promised land, and we remembered how God's faithfulness provided for them manna from heaven for food and sustenance, and that we too can be freed from the mindset of scarcity, and that we can live into God's story of abundance. And then the following week, we talked about release both to the debts that we hold on so tightly, but more than that, what does it mean to release all the components of our money story that keep us enslaved to the desire for more, to the shame of not having enough, to the constant churning without rest? And last week, Pastor Kristen invited us to reimagine the world as is and the world that could be being creative in the ways we steward our resources as we live into God's preferred future. Today, we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about the word restore. We're in uh, the gospel according to John. And by the time we get to our text, Jesus has already appeared to his disciples three other times. First, uh, Jesus appears to Mary outside the tomb. Then to the disciples as he breathes into them the Holy Spirit. And the third time he meets with the disciples again, uh, this time with Thomas present. And he shows Thomas his hands and the wound in his side. And so it's not as if the disciples are at a loss of what to be doing right now. It's really, it feels like there's some unfinished business left to do. 
And so we're back in the Sea of Galilee. We're back on the banks of the Sea of Tiberias. And they, they go back to their ordinary lives, fishing for most of them. And, and they go back to watching and waiting until the resurrected Christ encounters them again. And Jesus calls out to them from the banks of the lake as they're going about their day to drop their nets, to bring in their catch. And God, Jesus reveals to them his presence, his promise, the abundance of life, and there's so much that we could explore in this text, but today we're going to focus on Simon Peter, because breakfast is over now, and the sun begins to rise over the horizon as, as everyone finishes their fill, eating their breakfast. I imagine them starting to sit, some in groups, some by themselves, sitting and smiling, content. Their stomachs are full the cool breeze lightly blowing over the water, and here they are right where they are supposed to be with Jesus, and all is good with the world. And Simon Peter is a little ways off. He sits in the sand, and he listens as the waves crash on the banks. He hears the crackle of the charcoal fire hissing behind him. Remember, he's carrying with him the memory of the last time he physically sees Jesus. It's back in John chapter 18. And watch this. There's something really interesting that happens here in the other three Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Peter denies knowing Jesus. He's asked, weren't you with him? And his response is this, I do not know this man. But in John, he's asked a different question. See, in John, the question he's asked is, aren't you one of his disciples? It's very different. And his response to this is this, I am not one of his disciples. I am not one of his disciples. I was not the guy you saw in the garden. I am not one of his disciples. Right? In the other three Gospels, Peter's denial is in knowing Jesus In John, Peter denies being a disciple. And this is what this whole gospel is about. See, this this gospel according to John, it's about this relationship of Jesus and his followers. And this moment that's about to happen between Jesus and Simon Peter, it's about the relationship that they have. Because I imagine Simon sitting there in his guilt, in his regret, remembering not only the denial itself, but that he denied his friend. That he could have the possibility of denying his friend. That he didn't live fully into the relationship with his friend Jesus. Jesus who was calling him to live into this life of discipleship. And Jesus in his infinite wisdom and glory he asks him, Simon son of John do you love me? Simon son of John do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times Jesus asks Simon this question, and three times Simon is called Simon, son of John. This is one of my favorite things in all of Scripture. Because when we look through the gospel according to John, there's only one other place where Jesus calls him Simon, son of John. And it's all the way back to chapter 1. It's verse 42. 
And it's that moment when Simon is first called by Jesus. You might remember that Jesus is teaching and preaching and going through the region. And uh, uh, Andrew, who would eventually become one of his disciples as well, Andrew is so moved by this teaching that Jesus goes to teach and share. And Andrew is so moved that he goes to find his brother Simon, dragging him with him to say, I have found the Messiah. And when Simon comes and stands before Jesus, Jesus says to him, you are Simon, son of John. And now you will be called Cephas Peter. Simon, son of John. See, when Jesus and Simon are there on the beach and Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, Jesus is taking that beautiful, intimate moment to remind Simon Peter of that first moment, that moment when he first became a disciple, that moment when he first encountered Jesus. Hey, remember that, Simon? Remember, Simon, son of John? Do you remember who you are? And in that moment, Jesus restores any brokenness in the relationship. And Jesus restores Simon, son of John, as a disciple. A disciple who is called into the ministry, into the mission, into the work of abundance in a new way. Called into ministry again. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep, follow me. Church, this is the work of discipleship. To be restored in our relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus is inviting us to take that next step. Restoration that allows us to step boldly into who God is calling us to be because we believe in a better world. You know, one of the biggest disappointments in my ministry is not reconnecting with that friend. The one who said to me that money is personal. I, I wish I could go back and tell him that he was right. That money is personal. That money is between him and God. And I wish I could tell him that it's okay to talk about money because money is part of God's money story. But more than anything, more than all of that, I wish I could tell him what a great friend he was, what a privilege it has been and would continue to be for me to be his pastor, that I cared for him, that I cared about his discipleship. I wish I could go back and tell him that the work is not done yet. Even today. We see the hurt and aching in our world, in our communities. The community of Kenosha comes to mind. The broken justice system comes to mind. The lie of scarcity comes to mind. Actions moved by fear and hate come to mind. There is brokenness in our communities. And church, we have work to do. To remember, to release, to reimagine, to restore. We have work to do so that the world might experience the abundance of God's love. The world might experience the abundance of God's restoration. We have work to do. So church, what will be our part in that story?
what will be our part in that story? May we have the boldness and the vulnerability to accept that we too need to be restored. And may we challenge ourselves to step into the future in which God is leading, that we might be part of that healing, the grace, and the abundance of which God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for all that you have done and are continuing to do in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you show up and remind us of your faithfulness. And so, God, we pray that you would be with us as a community, that you would challenge us and inspire us, that you would move in us, that we, too, might be partners alongside you in that holy, life-transforming work. Create in us anew that desire to be your disciples, to be restored and to go restoring the world. It is in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, that was the last sermon of our generosity series, Our Money Story. Uh, It's been fun to be thinking about the ways we can look at our own money story and see how it aligns with God's money story, uh, one that is of liberation and uh, invitation, transformation, one that is of abundance. Um, And I hope that this is one that we can carry with us as we uh, look into both the Christmas season and the new year as we look at the ways that uh, capitalism and money uh, consumes us and how we might really reshape the ways that we interact and have relationship with money. This is going to be the last episode of this week. Uh, Thursday uh, here in the U.S. is Thanksgiving, and so I will be taking a break. I wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving, uh, one where you can spend some time intentionally thinking about all the things that you are thankful for. I am thankful for each of you, for our listeners, for uh, continuing your support as we continue to live out our purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Next week, we will uh, begin our Advent series called Waiting Well, and uh, we will be sharing the sermons from that, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon.